Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts, Brian Christopherson, and it is the offseason, a feeling that we know very well around here in Lincoln, and uh, we'll continue to provide tremendous coverage of everything going on with Nebraska athletics and Nebraska football, and that starts here on Wednesday as Matt Rule had, what would you call it, BC, like a wrap-up press conference mm-hmm. uh, to, to kind of like put 2023 to bed and kick things off for 2024 yeah it was a 23 rapper he's already on a year two he said i think it's kind of nfl style right don't yeah. they they require him to like do it so he's probably in that mode still yeah so he's he's on to year two i think mentally everybody else went on to year two about the time that that kick just squeaked over the crossbar on friday uh and so with that there's a plenty of topics for us to dive into and we will start right away with the coaching staff matt rule spoke on Wednesday at the press conference about his coaching staff. Bronx, what what was your biggest takeaway as he sort of talked about the staff and does it give you a feeling that there could be changes afoot? Well, there's two different questions. I mean, the first one is, you know, are you going to make change like staff changes in terms of like, you know, who who's sitting in what chair or, you know, what the chairs are. And then there's also, you know, responsibilities that could potentially change. We've known, you know, since last year that initially Nebraska did not want to have Marcus Satterfield coaching quarterbacks. He was going to coach tight ends and offensive coordinator. They didn't get uh, Pete's and, you know, that you had Satterfield coaching quarterbacks. From listening to Matt Rule today, I think he's going to be very patient with any changes of roles. I think he left that door pretty open um for for the off season a jar would that be fair to say the door is a jar very much a jar and and not just like you know just a small little door wedge either i think it's i i think the the possibilities there there's a lot of possibilities there i also don't know that he's in a huge hurry to make changes or to change responsibilities so just because you didn't get an announcement today of different job responsibilities. That doesn't mean they're not coming, in my opinion. You still have Josh Martin and as your tight ends coach in an interim basis, so that's got to get fixed. He also mentioned today the hope that maybe even analysts would be able to coach position groups. So th- there's a lot of options there on the table, and I, I, I think you put a big old ellipses by what Matt Rule is potentially doing there um, you know, in the offseason right now. BC, he he got into some position groups specifically to to kind of comment on them. One of those special teams. He also talked about offensive line. What what were sort of your takeaways when he was talking about various position groups and and kind of what he had to say about those groups? Um, o line, he thought got better as the year uh, progressed. Um, so I mean. I mean, I think Donovan Riola is, you know, he's always been under the microscope with this fan base, probably improved his stock with some as the, as the season went along. Um, so there was that. Running backs was interesting to me because I asked about them specifically because that's kind of a dicey deal to me where you, you have young Emmett Johnson who looked good, but, you know, Gabe Irvin and Ramir Johnson are, are going to be coming back from pretty serious injuries. It sounds like they're tracking well. That's what he said today. He expects them to be ready to go next year. And so you would have, you know, those guys, Emmett, Quinton Ives, but he said they are looking for a back, um, but it's got to be the right back. Uh, so that that spot sticks out. I, you know, 
I think he loves his D line and where it's trending. Obviously, last night's decommitment news he couldn't speak specifically on. Um, that's a blow to this class, but they've got a lot of depth there. They like how that's that's going. Um, and you know, beyond that, um, you're waiting on the defensive side for like Gifford and Bullock to make whatever's gonna happen with them known. Um, and then I think Ben Hart on the offensive line is the other one you wonder about. I think that uh, we'll, we'll get into this all with the players stuff with Ben Scott in, you know, returning. Yeah, you're jumping but, ahead here. You're yeah, and too I, far down the page. I, I know. <laughs> um, but I, I think with the with, with the defense, a, a lot's going to ride on the decisions of, uh, you know, Gifford and Bullock. Those are those are key guys. BC straining his vocal cords talking about this. Uh, I've this been operation. on been a little under the weather. I'm. Uh, not so much that Brun should be worried because I was in his uh, space today because um, I'm on the other end of it. But, yeah, the last couple of days I had to fight through it a bit. If there's one thing that is, you know, the bowl game streak is over at Nebraska and has been for a while. But the media being sick immediately after the season follows and then passing it around through each other. Uh, yeah. That is a tradition that will live on for another year, I am sure. Uh, so. We what else do we want to touch on staff wise here? I mean, it does seem as Brunt said, the door's fairly open. Rule seemed happy about how special teams went, which is an odd comment to me at least, but I'll leave that as it is. Uh, the offensive line, you know, that sort of thing. What what other takeaways do we have, you know, now that that the season is over of just sort of where Nebraska's at staff wise? I mean, I don't know that um I anticipate anything changing defensively, but uh, how do you guys feel like someone like Garrett McGuire did in his first year as an assistant coach, just kind of reflecting on it? Brunts? It, it's a little incomplete, right? I mean, you I, I think with the position coaches, you probably have to be a little bit more willing to have the conversation about injuries and departures than you would with, say, the coordinator, coordinator level of things. I mean, for Garrett McGuire, you lose Xavier Betts in the middle of fall camp. Isaiah Garcia Castaneda plays what one game? What, what, like, I think he got hurt in the Minnesota game, right? So you lose those two guys. I mean, you you have to basically turn to uh, a, a, a talented but very green group of freshmen. You lose uh, uh, Marcus Washington to an injury <clears throat> at Illinois. So. I mean, on the one hand, you can say, yeah, that group probably could have done a little bit more. On the other hand, I, I mean, I, I think he did a pretty good job of getting these freshmen up to speed. I mean, you know, Jalen Lloyd, Jaden Doss, and uh, Malachi Coleman were not on campus uh, in, in, in the spring. So he had to get them caught up. I think you can see a, a positive trend for that group. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I think – He's probably been more involved as a recruiter um, with, with guys in Texas that maybe he hasn't gotten credit for. Even even Quan Lacey, he was a big part of that that early commitment. So we'll see how he kind of does with another young group and kind of how they reform that that group. But I, I it, it's almost kind of like TBD on him because there was so much that he had to deal with from the word go in fall camp. BC, is it the same for you with, with someone like EJ Barthel? Yeah, I I have a lot of incomplete grades, and that seems like you're backing out of answering something. But with this staff, when they came in, 
you knew that they were looking at it as a two to three year process to really get this thing where they want it to be. And I understand that's the sort of pattern they're working on and have in the past. And so I've kind of, even before this season started, accepted that, you know, whatever we saw by the end of November uh, was going to be like the, the first episode in a trilogy, you know, like I, I said this earlier, it's like the, you go to the first movie um, in a, in a three part set and you walk out of the first one kind of dissatisfied with the ending, but you're waiting for the second one to see if the dots connect and it kind of makes sense of, if, and they learn some stuff. So that's sort of where I am with all these coaches. Um, That's I, I don't actually think that's sitting on the fence. Some would say it is, but I I just, I just knew going into this, this operation, that's the way it was going to be. It was going to be a multi-year deal before we kind of knew what had worked and what hadn't. So um, at at running back though, um, you know, a lot of injuries that obviously would have made that look a little bit different if Ramir and Gabe Irvin are there through the whole season. And you might've felt a lot better about a coach or the way the, the stuff looks so i think you do have to at least put that as as part of the conversation we're not going to get into it but i would love to know what trilogy you think best represents nebraska football right now so you think about that and uh maybe we'll maybe we'll come back to it (laughs) i'm fascinated by what your answer might be there all right let's move into the the next thing i wanted to get to which is players specifically bc kind of touched on some of these but we're going to expand on them Brunts, to me, the biggest news that that Matt Rule had uh, for the entire day was the confirmation that Ben Scott will be returning for another season, giving Nebraska its center for a second straight year. And, you know, largely the most successful guy that they pulled out of the portal um, from this most recent cycle. Yeah, I mean, that that allows you to solidify at least one offensive line position, Bryce Benhart's decision all of a sudden looms pretty large as well. Um, you know, it, it's, I think, a credit to the offensive line and Ben Hart that you're able to say that um, this season. But, yes, Scott coming back is huge. I mean, when you have that guy in the middle that can kind of control traffic and be in charge of communication, that's big. Um, you know, I, I think Nebraska has the interior help to surround him pretty easily at guard. Uh, and, and if, you know, Teddy Prohaska finally gets a real off season and can stay healthy, I mean, that, that helps you at left tackle and who knows what the heck Turner Corcoran is going to be, uh, coming off that, that foot injury. So, yeah, I mean, Scott was a big get for them. Um, you know, I, I think he was a really important tone setter too for, for the offensive line and kind of the attitude that they had. So, um, that, that was significant news, um. And, and, you know, too, I, I think also the fact that they, they didn't close the book on Gifford and Bullock is at least noteworthy to me, too. I mean, the, the fact that you would potentially have your leading tackler back, too, uh, that, that, that's at least a little bit better than maybe what I would have expected coming into today, where I, it, it felt like Gifford was maybe kind of one foot out the door. BC, I mean, of those guys that uh, have decisions to make still, and we know Bryce Benhart mm. is one of them, Isaac Gifford is another, John Bullock also walked on Friday. What what one do you consider to be the most pivotal for what Nebraska needs uh, for the 2024 season? Um, Gifford. I mean, he's just, he's so good. I mean, he's a, he, think about some of the, 
nobody's a perfect player, but think of about each week, there was always one or two plays where he would save Nebraska's bacon, where he would get a track a guy down. <laughs> we can think of the screen pass in particular. I can't remember which team it was against, but he, he basically stopped the 70 yard away. I think might've been, but it was going to be like a set. It was at home. It was going to oh, be like, it'd be Northwestern. Yeah. It was going to be like a 65, 70 yard play. Maybe it ends up being a five yard play because he closed on it. He had a couple against Iowa where he did that. Um, where we'd keep a guy a, sh- a yard short of the sticks. Um, he just knows so much of the scheme, and uh, he knows he's good, as Matt Rule said this year. And when a guy knows he's good, he doesn't always sweat like, oh, I made a mistake on this play. He just goes to the next one and expects it to be good. So I think he just adds um, a certain swagger to the defense. You could argue against me and say it's Ben Hart to this answer because he would lock up a huge part of your old line at right tackle, let other guys develop behind the scenes. I would be willing to have that debate. Um, certainly uh, it's probably going to allow Brunts to debate you on it. Well, I'll let him, uh, it's like a one, a one B to me though. I'd put Gifford at the top, but all right. Brunts, the floor is yours. Why is Bryce Ben? Well, actually do you, do you actually feel that Bryce Benhart would be the biggest loss if he were to not come back out of that grouping? It's like a college class. You have to take the position that Ben Hart's the answer. Or yeah. like you're on first take. Just go with it and I defend it. <laughs> well, I, I don't know that Nebraska has a guy ready to slide in at right tackle right now. I mean, I think, you know, if he decides to move on, I mean, is is Turner Corcoran the guy out there? Or are you – I'm even trying to – who was behind him on the depth chart all season? Was it Tyler Knack? Was, was that who it was? believe so. So, I mean, you have a lot of unproven guys there. I, I, I think tackle is a position that's a little bit more difficult to get out of the portal if you're looking for somebody that can come in and play right away. I mean, as you saw last year with Nebraska trying to do that, it's a premium position. So, I mean, I, I, I think I would, I would be more intrigued to see what a second year of Bryce Benhart under the staff looks like. I mean, I, I think he, for the most part, played pretty good football. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, the staff sees him as a potential NFL guy, but I, I don't know that, uh, you know, there's a great option if, if he decides to move on right now. I mean, they'd, they'd have to develop somebody or kind of shift the deck chairs a little bit to, to fill in there. Yeah. Do you... So with, with the Isaac Gifford thing, I find it somewhat curious because if he were to leave, do we think that he would be good enough to get drafted? So would he be leaving to go to the NFL or is it leaving for another opportunity in college football? What do you think, BC? I mean, I'd kind of think the next level. I guess I don't know that for sure anymore. You know, like I I get so nervous to speak on specific guys with any – you used to be able to do this even two or three years ago. You could say sort of a certainty. Yeah, this guy would definitely come back here. And now you, there's like three different avenues he could sure. go. And, it, <coughs> and um, you can say something and look really stupid like an hour later without anybody having known. Um, but I mean, he's got such a family background, this program and all that. I sort of suspect we're talking about the next level here uh, with Gifford. Um, and Rule himself mentioned today um, when he was kind of talking about Bullock, Ben Hart, and Gifford. All those guys, it sounds like, have like NFL people who have come in and asked specifically about them. And he was making the point like this isn't just like 
out of nowhere stuff. These are guys who are getting legitimate attention and it's basically, do you come back and elevate your stock or where are you sitting? Is it worth just going now and not putting more, um, tread on your tires at the college level? Um, which I understand now everybody always gets on these guys. If they go after four or five years in the program, they're like 22, 23 years old. Sometimes it's just a season turn and see what you're made of. And um, we'll see what he does. But I think that's what this decision is about. Interesting. And, you know, taken from another level, you could also just see it as it would always make sense if you can walk to walk because you're going to secure more NIL money for yourself. Uh, by doing that. And so that, yeah. that was my initial read on those guys, even walking on uh, Friday is that it might be just a, a, you know, a way to secure themselves some more NIL money. I, I look at Gifford and I look at Bullock as two guys that could definitely help themselves by coming back uh, for another year, but that'll be, that'll be an interesting conversation. Uh, I have a quite, no I, I have a quick question. Cause I bronze did Alex Bullock, who, John's brother, did he mention, like in the post game, something about, um, you know, maybe he thought they were not going to play together. Yeah, he <clears throat> he didn't really get into it too much, but he had a, a kind of a throwaway line that he thought that 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 was he appreciated that they got to play together this season and that this year was probably going to be the last time they get to play together. So we'll we'll see what comes of that. I mean, I it's hard. I mean, and Brian's right. I mean, I people say, oh well, you know, if you get another. I think a lot of people outside of football say, well, if you have an opportunity to play another year, well, why wouldn't you want to do it? And I think for a lot of guys, I mean, Ty Hans an example of this. I mean, he, he's a, a retro sophomore by class. He's got his degrees engaged. Um, you know, why, you know, hang around another two years if you're not going to go to the NFL? Um, you know, it's, you know, five, six off seasons for some of these guys, five or six spring balls, five or six seasons of, of kind of putting your body through that. And I think there's a toll there that, that sometimes gets lost a little bit. So uh, I guess we'll learn more from, from those guys in the next couple of weeks, but um, yeah, it, Alex Bullock seemed, you know, at least after the Iowa game, that that was probably the last time that they were going to be on a field together, but maybe that changes. It'll certainly be something to watch uh, as Nebraska is also losing Luke Reimer at middle linebacker. And so that's a position mm -hmm. that we'll get to here. I think later in the podcast, we talk about areas where Nebraska might hit in the portal uh, before we move on to recruiting and portal talk. I want to hit on a couple players that rule mentioned specifically blaze Gunnarsson. Uh, it looks like he will be leaving the program. Do we, is this leaving football? Is this just heading to the portal? Was there any clarification on that fronts? Uh, it sounds like he was done. Um, rule rule suggested he was done. Um, you know, as his injury history is pretty well documented, um, had the hip issues before he even got to Nebraska. Had a couple other major issues at Nebraska as well. Um, you know, it, I mean, maybe he goes in the portal and, and tries to play somewhere else. But he's like he's one of those guys that's had a really challenging career from a health perspective. So. Um, as maybe as surprising as he was to to, to walk on senior day, um, he's had a full career of injuries um, in his time in Lincoln. So that that that's a big reason, I, I think, in why he walked. Yeah. Um, last thing here, Brian, what were your thoughts on what Matt Rule had to say about the quarterbacks and specifically Jeff Sims? Reading between the lines um, that Sims won't be here. Um 
that's what I took away from it. We'll see for sure. Um, he was going to meet with him on Thursday morning. Um, but when he was asked initially about the QBs, he spoke uh, about Chubb and Heinrich and um, sort sort of how, um, you know, both had, you know, basically Heinrich last year wasn't even in QB meetings, he pointed out. And so this was really his first year of real growth there. And you got to see where that goes. And in a different way, sort of the same thing with Chuba, And obviously he showed some encouraging things at the end. So he sounded optimistic about trying to develop both those guys with eyes open on the portal. While also we'll get to this too. I don't want to get ahead of script, but you know, it's good. It's expensive to, to get a QB in the portal. But uh, with Sims, I, it, it didn't sound, he said he was a good teammate and it kind of sounded like this might be the end. That's what I got. I think Bruns thought the same thing. Yeah, he, he he had a line that was like, "Yo, he's got the ability to help a football team or something like yeah. that." It's like kind of like the breakup line of "You'll make somebody very happy someday." I think was the best. That's kind of what I where I went in my head. Now yeah. I'm gonna finish my pie, and if you <laughs> if you want to leave ahead of me, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see if uh, Sims and Nebraska remain friends. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes, but let's, uh, let's take a time out and then we will get into, uh, some of rules comments on the transfer portal, the transfer portal itself, the type of players that we think Nebraska will be going after all that more when we return here on the Husker 24 seven podcast. So rules spoke on Wednesday and he talked about the transfer portal and he has a quote that'll be bandied about the internet, uh, that if you want to go into the portal, you need to. To, to get a you know a top of the line quarterback, it might take up to to two million dollars, and we've seen reports of Cameron Ward, uh, the the talented quarterback for Washington State. There's reports that you know he has seven figure offers already from a handful of schools, and so I'm curious, what did you guys think of that comment from from Matt Rule, and then what do you think that means for how they're going to approach the quarterback? in the portal situation, we know they're going to have to get at least one. Um, but what does it mean for how they attack it? If that is what he views the price to play uh, in this transfer portal era, we'll start with Brooks. He made a face. So we're going to give him the question. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, they're going to get, they're going to get involved. I mean, he, he kind of laid out, you know, the, where the, the, portal quarterback conversation is and then had a line like well I'm not stupid and we're, we're looking around looking at everything so I mean I I agree I mean I think they've got to get at least one um he, he kind of had a line too about they'll they if it's a guy with one year they want somebody who has instant impact if it's somebody that got a guy with two or more years it's got to be equal to what they've got mm-hmm. I mean I I, I think that's a pretty good uh, lay of the land for going for how they're going to be looking. I mean, I think if they can get their claws in somebody that can help them be really good next year, I think they'll do it. Um, I, I think if, you know, they find somebody that's n- not saying it's like this guy, but a kind of a situation where a, a guy can be multi-years in your system, like a Bo Nix or somebody like that, they'll, they'll choose to pursue that. Um yeah, I, I nothing that he said le- would lead me to believe that they're not going to pursue a quarterback transfer. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how you can look at what happened this past year and say that they don't need help there. I mean, I, I, I think Danny Kalen has a very bright future. I don't know that 
you, you can count on him helping you right away. So I think you do need an, an infusion of competition and talent in that room in a big way. So um, as much as he was being very careful to not say, yes, absolutely, we're going to go look for look for a quarterback, they're going to do it. I mean, they have to. There, there's no way around that. Brian, what did you make of the the way that Matt Rule talked about the quarterback position in the transfer portal? Same thing as Braun. So I'll, I'll just add, when it, if you're talking about that a million, a million five, you would maybe have to pay a guy um, through NIL money to to bring him here. He seemed, in general, reluctant, didn't he? Um, yeah. With about um, being that type of program, basically, where you bring in that guy and it's sort of a could upset the apple cart a little bit, I suppose, in your locker room um, before delivering um, for your program. I mean, I don't know if, if you found someone really special and it was going to work out. I don't know how you'd say no in certain cases, but um, he sounded like he wanted to be a, a little bit of an old school way of like, we're just going to keep building, you know, as, as we do. And, and, you know, obviously NIL is important and you gotta, you gotta uh, be competitive in that market. But I, I, I I thought the million to two million line about QBs was sort of connected to a thought of, I don't, I don't know that I want that here. You know that that's how I took it at least. How do you feel about that though? I think it's a man. It's that's a tough one. Like if you found, like if you found uh, the, the guy from Washington State Ward or something, and he was going to come here for <laughs> one point five for NIL money. I don't know. It'd be pretty tempting to me. I have to say, um, if, if you felt like you could get in, in that bidding war and, and, uh, could, com- could have a shot at him. Um, but I also know, um, this is a very difficult tightrope that coaches all across the country are on now. Um, because you're, you in some cases, people are going to give out money before anybody has done anything in your helmet, in your stadium over other guys on your roster who have gone through everything, you know, all the mat drills and all the stuff at 5 a.m. And um, they're, they're going to know about that. They're going to know what's what by the, you know, that stuff always comes out eventually of uh, what, what somebody's getting or close to getting. And um, that that's just very difficult place to be if you're going to operate full time like that. But it, we're in such a weird part of college athletics where, I don't know that anyone has a specific right answer or wrong answer, but I just thought that rule seemed a little down on doing it that way. That's how I kind of took it. It it would seem to me, and this is just sort of the thought process, I guess I have on it. But if you make that move with your quarterback, your offensive line is going to turn around and need more money to stay where they're at. Mm -hmm. Your, you know, the, the wide receivers or the people like everybody around that quarterback is going to want more yeah. because you know, that's just how this works. I mean, we saw it with Casey Rogers, Nebraska goes out and gets O'Shawn Mathis and Casey Rogers is like, all right, well, all the, the conversation is about how much money this guy is required to bring in. And I'm right here. You need me too. So either you're going to pay me or I'm going to leave. And he left. And who turned and- out better? Probably Casey Rogers. Yeah. Though O'Shawn Mathis did get drafted, so it's hard to say. Um, but I, you know, I don't know that either made a substantial enough difference for the investment. This is this is where I come down with the the transfer portal stuff. Is it's very easy to to talk about how well you gotta go get this and you gotta get this position and you gotta go get this type of player. 
it's a lot harder to get someone that actually fits what you're going to do. It's a lot harder to take a player, move them from a team, put them in your system, give them the spring and the summer, and then he's just going to be good. And we've seen it happen for Nebraska where Trey Palmer and Samari Toure were phenomenal. We've also seen it where Kanavai Noah and Billy Kemp were nothing. And they were absolutely nothing. I mean, Billy Kemp barely had a better year than Alex Boyd. Uh, some of that was injury. Some of that was quarterback plays. Some of that was happenstance. But it's it's really hard to utilize the portal, I think, and do it successfully if you don't have a large pile of money to play with, which then you also have to keep everybody else on your roster relatively happy. <clears throat> or you just sort of have to luck into it. And it's they they have to do it, right? Like they're, they're going to have to go get a quarterback. But I, at this point, I think I'd be genuinely surprised if it's a big name. They get to me more likely it's going to be someone who's betting on themselves moving up from a group of five level or was a backup or moving up from the FCS. Like that seems more likely to me than Nebraska getting KJ Jefferson from Arkansas or, you know, who name a name a quarterback that's going to enter the portal or has entered the portal that is a big name that everyone's going to be talking about. I just think that's going to be difficult. Uh, what is it? The the Texas kid, Malik Murphy. Um, that's going to be a heavily sought after guy. I mean, I just don't know. I don't know that I expect Nebraska to pull somebody of that nature just because of the ripple mm-hmm. effect of if you do that, what happens with the rest of your roster and what they need? And can you provide all of that? Can you keep everyone happy in that scenario? It's really hard. I, I think the balancing act of the, the whole thing is arguably more difficult than the recruitment of, of bringing somebody in and throwing money at them. So I, I am fascinated how that all plays out. What do you guys think about that? I mean, it, 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 I guess in my mind, there's got to be like a middle ground there, right? Like yep. if, you, if you look at the, the quarterbacks that before the portal has even opened, it opens on December 4th, the, the quarterbacks who are already in there and the numbers that they've, they've put up in various college places, whether that's FCS level, FBS, whatever, if you're Nebraska and you're, and let's just use Matt Rule's um, criteria where somebody's an instant impact or somebody that's, you know, equal to what they have. I mean, I, I think that there's somebody out there that they can get that's not $1.5 million that can come in and run and efficiently run an offense. I mean, where Nebraska is at right now is a program. They were minus 17 in turnover margin last year, largely because of quarterback play. A lot of that, I guess that, that to me is like, okay, you, you don't necessarily need to go in there with your your bidding paddles and, and driving things up. I mean, I, I, I think Nebraska will be able to find somebody that can be very competitive in that quarterback room, can probably run this offense, whatever it's going to look like, whoever's going to recall it, whoever's going to coach it uh, in an efficient way. I, I think there's a little bit of luck with finding a guy that can do that in year one. I think it's fit. I think it's, you know, I, I think Nebraska has to be very careful because, you know, I, I last year saw improvement at a number of positions. It just happened that Nebraska was not very good at the most important position that they had, uh, that there is. And, you know, the, the choice that they made out of the portal was not a fit. So, it's it's a, a very crucial decision that they need to be very careful with, I think. 
But I also think that there's options out there where it doesn't have to be such a dichotomy of going getting some getting like a five million dollar guy or you know somebody that's just going to be developmental. Like I, I think there's guys in that middle road that they can have success with. So they just need to figure out. I think fit. And also I, I think it helps to have a little bit of a better idea of what you want to do offensively, because I think once you have that, and once you're able to say, this is who we are, this is what we're going to do. You're able to, to maybe zero in a little bit more on that person. And plus this time around in the portal, you're not kind of at that shotgun wedding portion of, of you know, finding a quarterback. You've had a year to figure out your personnel. You've been through the big 10 you know a little bit more what works, what doesn't work. And I think that that will benefit Nebraska ultimately as they go through and try and find somebody. Do you yeah. think the way Nebraska is built right now offensively that you can get a game manager style quarterback and have enough success? Because we haven't seen a Nebraska team that hasn't, I mean, they've, they've had to live through their quarterback going all the way back to, uh, is it, has there been a year in the last decade plus that their quarterback wasn't the single most important person on their offense? No, I don't. I don't think that'll change. I mean, I. But do they have enough talent to put around somebody like that's That's where I struggle because it's like the the part of me that's okay. They got to go get someone that's really good. But they don't have a running back that's good on their team right now. They have guys that are interesting. They have pieces that you kind of like if you turn your head and you squint a bunch and the light's really low, but they don't have anyone that's good at running back. They don't have a wide receiver that's developed. They don't have a tight end to throw to that you can trust. They have an okay offensive line. So the, the challenge, I guess, is like trying to decide, can you get a quarterback that can just sort of run things enough? And can mm. you survive? Because they don't have a piece on offense that you can just sit here right here today as a skill position player and say, yeah, that guy's good. They don't have that. And so it, it makes <clears throat> the challenge to getting a quarterback where I think you ideally be like, Oh yeah, you need someone that can run the show, but you also probably need him to be a playmaker too. Like that's Nebraska puts himself in this position every damn year. And they are in it again because they don't develop offensive pieces. And that's not a knock on Matt rule. That goes back to Mike Riley. That goes back to, you know, Bo Pelini to a degree. That goes back to certainly Scott Frost with what Matt rule inherited. So I think that's what makes it the quarterback challenge really, really difficult. Am I off base with that? Is a game manager, just a guy that doesn't throw it directly to the other team. The minute he has pressure, like, I, I guess that's, yeah, that's that's what we saw last year. Was it like? But is, is Chubba Purdy better than a game manager? Is Ch are you saying that he is a game manager or not? Well, I don't know what he is because I mean he's not really a game manager because he turns the ball over every time. My not point every time, is, is if, if you have a quarterback that isn't just a turnover machine who can actually complete more than fifty five percent of their passes, like that that doesn't seem like a really high bar to meet. Like there's those guys out there a lot. And you're betting on the fact that you can develop your young wide receivers, which we you know we talked about earlier. I mean, I don't I don't know that I necessarily trust the running back room as it is right now. I think that's an area where they've got to get better. But I mean I it, it's not just uh they've got to be better on the quarterback, but I I, I just I don't know that I saw anything this year where I was like, there's not somebody out there that's, that's better. Like it, it's not, 
there should be ample number of quarterbacks on that portal that can give you what Nebraska got at the quarterback position this year. Like yeah. that's, that's fair. I, I'm not arguing that idea specifically. What I'm saying is they need that version of the quarterback to also be a huge, heavy part of their offense. I mean, if you just go through 2023 alone, their quarterback was their offense almost the entire year, even to the end when it's Chubba Purdy, it's him running like crazy against Wisconsin. It's, uh, you know, the I guess the pass to Jalen Lloyd in both situations, you know, is, is Jalen Lloyd in Wisconsin and Iowa. But Heinrich Harburg was the offense. Jeff Sims was the offense. Like, they don't – I so if you go get a guy who can complete some passes but can't run, is that going to be enough for you to score more than the 13 points a game that they're averaging? And you might cut down the amount of turnovers, but – Part of the turnover, the boom-bust equation for Nebraska last year is that your quarterbacks provided the boom. I don't know that they have a running back that can provide booms. And, and maybe if your quarterback can get the ball on schedule to these wide receivers, they can be that way too. But, I, I again, I don't know if I'm explaining myself really well, but I, I just feel like they pigeonholed themselves where they can't just go get a Deacon Hill and put him in at quarterback and go win football games, even with their defense. I just you you got to have someone that can either make plays or you need someone on offense that can be a playmaker, and I don't know that they have that. I mean, part of this is we get we got to see what what they have in twenty four. I mean, with some of those young receivers and healthy backs, I think it can look a little bit different than it did this year. And you got to you got to give Garrett McGuire and EJ Barthel have to develop those guys and they have to have a great off season and um, Malachi Coleman and Jalen Lloyd and maybe Demetrius Bell. I mean, they have to be really good. They might have some playmakers there um, who are on the cusp of something, but it's certainly not proven. I think if they, I, I kind of agreed when, when Brunts was laying out his, what he's talking about the QB, that's kind of how I feel too. Like you can find somebody right now for this team that, if they're sharp with their decision making, they don't have to have every tool in the toolkit. But if they can be a savvy QB who can really cut down on those turnovers, this I mean, we'd be talking about a different record right now and talking about an eight and four team going to a bowl if we had seen that from the quarterback spot. So I think there are guys like that out there. To the original question you asked me, I think I said it, it's tempting, you know, with like the 1.5. That's like for a very select group of guys, I want to be clear. Like Cam, we were talking about Cam Ward or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's like only two or three guys I think who are like you would entertain that idea with. Everybody else, I would never even think about it. Um, and so I think Nebraska, but it's a tough, this is a tough topic. I mean, it, you think about trying to balance your locker room and find that like guy who can get you over the top at the most important position in sports, I think, is quarterback. It's uh, it, it's it. This is why you make the big bucks, I guess, to figure that out and, and find that that hit it right, because obviously last year they didn't. What are the other positions moving off a of quarterback here? What are the other positions where you think it would behoove Nebraska to 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 go hard in the portal? Uh, for their roster. Bruns. I mean, I, Oh, sorry. Go, BC, go ahead. No, go ahead. Bruns. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, Schaefer's points, a, it's an important one. I mean, I, I, you know, given the state of the running back room, you don't have a running back recruit in this class as we stand now. Um, you know, Emmett Johnson's fine. I mean, I, I, I don't 
but you're right. I mean, I, I, I don't think that we've seen enough from him to check him off as a big play threat. I I'm a little bit dubious about how Gabe Irvin and Ramir Johnson are going to come back. I mean, those are two guys with some pretty long injury histories. Um, that that's one spot I'd probably look at. I mean, I, I think I like what they're doing at wide receiver. I think that's another position where you can find guys a little bit more easily that, that have a little bit of proven production behind their name. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I would probably lean more towards the offensive side of the ball um, for, for where they're going to add things. Um, you know, special teams, if you can find a difference maker that can, you know, hit a return. I know they're, they're trying to address that through the junior college ranks now, but that, that might be another spot. But I, I, I don't – what's your guys' sense on how many guys realistically they're going to take out of the portal? I mean, they, they don't have a ton of wiggle room with the roster as it is right now, with, with the guys that you probably expect to come back to just go and, you know, bring in, what was it? 11, 12 guys like they did last year. I mean, I think that would be like the top, that, that'd be like the ceiling of what we're talking about here. Yeah. I think it's closer to like half of that. Like I yeah. think six is the number that, you know, and I don't want to put an exact number, but that when you asked that question, that was the first number that kind of came to mind for me uh, because I don't look for them to, to go real heavy with it. And I don't look for them to just, you know, I, I don't think they're going to take a – I'm going to leave the names off of it. They took some guys last year that it felt like they just took to have some depth and to see what he could be and quickly realized that said individual is never going to help you uh, and has since been recruited past and is, you know, whatever. We'll see some of those guys leave, I suspect. Um, because of that, and so if you think that they take two quarterbacks, they would leave, you know, six is a number – and that's if they take two, that would leave about four, four left. And to me, it seems like it would be, I would probably emphasize running back um, would look at, at a wide receiver. If there's someone that makes sense, but I wouldn't want it to come at the detriment of your younger guys and their playing time. Um, and then I think that they could look at a corner in the transfer portal. I don't know that they have to, but I don't, you know, right now today, if Malcolm Hartzog and Tommy Hill were your two starting corners, What's your, you know, out of a, a one through five scale, five being extremely confident, one being not confident at all. Are either of you at a four with Malcolm Hartzog and Tommy Hill as your two starting corners right now? I, I would give it uh, three and a three and a quarter star, probably. Three and a quarter star. I, I, I mean, I feel good about Tommy Hill. I don't know that Malcolm Hartzog's the answer at corner. Well, um, and, and yeah, and I'm with you. Corner, I don't know. Yeah. I, I like the idea of him being – I like having another body in there, and I don't know yeah. if Dwight Boodle is ready uh, for, for his um, opportunity. BC, who else, you know, would even really be in the conversation at that cornerback spot, you know, besides somebody like Dwight Boodle? Well, I mean, Ethan Nation um, could be, well, I guess. Lionel, um, I guess. Yeah. Lion, is Lionel coming back for his 30th year? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. He's been around forever, right? Like that's he's part of the 2019 class, I think. And you I know what he was. I mean, he's a great gunner for him this year. You know yeah. why he what he wasn't at, he was at, I actually thought he was pretty good when he got defensive snaps a lot of the time. But um I think yeah, I think Nation, Lion, um, you know, you it could be one of those wide receiver slash DBs. You're talking like your Jeremiah Charles. What I think mm -hmm. he was back at receiver at the end of the year than the last couple of weeks, but hard to keep track. There's like a fight going on about where he's going to play. Bryce Turner is the same deal. Yep. So 
you know, you could see one of those guys over there. I'm really interested to see what Boodle looks like when he's healthy because I know they they loved what he was about. Um, but yeah, I mean, your point's well taken about maybe that could be a spot you look. I mean, linebacker could be a yep. spot. Middle linebackers. So the four spots for me are quarterback, running back, cornerback, linebacker. Those are the four that I would like to see Nebraska get five guys out of those four positions. Yeah, and I I agree with all those, and I um I don't I mean they they got a lot to answer at running back and receiver. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that this is a staff that the the whole thing about them is that they're developers and we're about to see if they are or not here at Nebraska. You know, they're going to have to do it at some key spots on that offensive side of the ball to, to make this thing look a lot better. I mean, if you could just get uh, he, we did that thing the other day where we ran through the offensive stats, it was like 115 or lower and like almost everything, you know, if, if you have stats that are, 55 through 75 on offense and you play pretty good defense, you're probably going to have a decent season if you, you flip the turnovers a bit. And so that, I mean, they got to at least get to that middle ground. Let's uh, let's start to wrap this up. BC, you were not on the Grant Bricks commitment reaction podcast. You have yeah. thoughts on uh, you know, people noticed that you weren't there and it was because you actually <laughs> didn't get an invite. So, you know, that's on us. Got lost in the mail. Sorry about yeah. that. Well, we'll uh, we'll take full responsibility for that one. But what what are your thoughts on Nebraska landing Grant Bricks? Um, I mean, I, it's it's that one's a, a giant one. I mean, it, it felt like one that the fan base especially had a lot of hopes uh, tied up in, and so I think it, it was a nice, um, you know, sort of uh, positive of a little bit of sunshine after the last week's game against Iowa. Um, and I also believe those on the staff, but even before he was committed, I got the sense he was like the top of the top to them as far as linemen go. And we could, we won't name them, but there's some big star guys that I think they would have taken bricks over, you know, that, yeah. that, so, um, it was a pretty big deal from that respect. And again, that's, that's stuff that I think was thought before he even committed that it's not after the fact stuff from inside the wall. So that it, it that that's a huge one. Unfortunately, because this is Nebraska, it happens, and then Carlin Jones announces his decommitment the same night. So there you go. Which, uh, Brunt, I, I kind of want you to, to mention what you mentioned to me uh, when we spoke after the Matt Rule press conference, which, you know, if, if Carlin Jones wasn't ready to sign in December and the indication from Bill Karelic at, at uh, the Ohio State 24-7 sports site, that's what he's picked up it seems Nebraska just doesn't have a spot for him. And so um, it, it, it kind of is almost a case where Nebraska simply just had to move on because their numbers are so tight right now. Yeah. It, Matt rule kind of hinted as much today. I, what, what are that? 26, 27 commits. I mean, they had a really small senior class that they've been saying for a couple months that they're up against the numbers already because so many guys are coming back or want to come back. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, if you wanted to take visits, you wanted to push it back. I mean, Nebraska would probably love to have him in the class, and I think he's a talented defensive lineman. He would have been in my Super Six without question. Yeah, same. Um, but they're just not – they can't wait. I mean, they, they kind of need to know how things are going to look because that affects the the numbers of, you know, how many portal guys they're going to take. So I, I think that's kind of what it was, was it ended up being a situation where time frames didn't necessarily line up and 
you know, for better or for worse, Nebraska is not really in a position to keep sitting by the phone waiting. So uh, it sounds like Ohio State, K-State, and maybe Oklahoma State's trying to get back in. So uh, that, that might drag on for a while, and Nebraska just couldn't wait any longer. Yeah, and it's no guarantee he even has a spot at Ohio State, even if he pushes this out to February. So there's a chance that there could be a reunion, but I would not be would not be banking on that at this point. So um, anything else you guys want to get to here before we wrap this up? I don't think so. Uh, coaches on the road later this week. Friday, yeah. No, no official visits more than likely this upcoming weekend. Would look for December 8th through 10th to be a pretty big weekend. Would look for that weekend right before the signing period to be the big weekend for them. Um, you know, we'll we'll see who pops up, but there's been a few names already uh, that seem like they're going to be in town in the month of December. So Nebraska will be busy. Husker 24-7 will have the coverage of it for you. Uh, all right, well um, – for Michael Brunt and Brian Christopherson, I'm Mike Shaver. We're Husker 24-7. Be sure to check out the website. A lot of coverage. Uh, be sure to check out the other podcasts, too. we got a basketball podcast that went up. I mentioned the Grant Bricks Reaction Podcast as well. Uh, you got those things to uh, to help tie you over as we hit the, uh, the offseason where Nebraska really makes its move every single year. And we'll be there with all the coverage at Husker 24-7.